Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, Monday morning after the big, big weekend of sport. In fact, it still continues as the Ryder Cup is still up for grabs, although America have got a hand and a half on it at the moment, I think it's fair to say. Our morning, though, consists of a chat to uh, All Black selector Grant Fox uh, on uh, that kick of Geordie Barrett's uh, and other aspects of that test match that was the 100th. Courtney Tyree, uh, what about those uh, silver ferns? Uh, throwing away a 10-goal lead. What happened there? Twice they threw away advantages in that series and lost the Tiny Jamison Trophy. Uh, Joseph Parker, yeah, Joe Parker. Uh, Anthony Joshua getting his uh, comeuppance at the weekend in a pretty surprising fashion. Uh, Lavina Good and Glenn Lama on the panel this morning. Uh, Andrew Voss, of course, after 11 o'clock. Who else, apart from Vossi, to talk about the NRL? Is it hands... uh, Well, we, we hand over... Uh, to a couple of sides that we perhaps did not expect to be floating around. Was that the case? Well, Penrith, yeah, Penrith, yeah. But the way they were playing, no. Uh, and then, of course, the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs. What more can you say? Uh, Vossi with his comments on that. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Hmm. Well, I've got to confess, I haven't seen or spoken to too many people since 9 o'clock on Saturday night. But those uh, of who I have spoken to, uh, and that had an opinion on the All Blacks, uh, that it was underwhelmingly unanimous in being ugly. It was a flop. Ugly and disrespecting the occasion. One team trying not to play the game, the other forced into so many errors that they couldn't either. It's hard to know if all those players of the past who represented uh, in this 100th meeting would have been proud and satisfied or hacked off like uh, many of us. For it's not as if that kind of style of rugby is novel. South Africa have been kicking the advertising off the ball since Adam was a cowboy and they're likely to continue doing it till Adam is a transgender gold winner at the 2040 Olympics. Unless, unless they are stopped by the laws of the game. So many are being introduced to take danger out of the game and to make it a better product. How about a three box kick limit per game on halfbacks? cuts back on those cringy mid-air collisions and makes the ball go through the hands more often. Just a dreamy idea, stupid one really. South Africa over the years have produced some wonderful midfield and outside backs, but in those currently wearing 11 and 15, we'll never know, as they are consigned to the chasing of bomb after bomb. The sad news is that nearly, nearly 
worked on Saturday night. The good news is it didn't. But thanks only to the calm and steady boot, ironically, of Geordie Barrett. It was a fizzer. And if you believe in winning ugly, then this was the quasi-modo of victories. Give me the remote. Back to the Ryder Cup. What a play from the youngster, Quinn Tupaya. Barrett unleashes his cannon of the boots. It sneaks inside the left hand upright. The All Blacks have the lead. Mostert coughs it up. 80 minutes ticks over. Bowden Barrett puts it into touch. An incredible finish in the 100th test of this incredible rivalry. The All Blacks claim supremacy after a century of battles. Yeah, well, some were underwhelmed by the whole thing in terms of a spectacle. Uh, They wanted more out of the game. They want more out of rugby these days. But others, I suppose, uh, were absolutely thrilled uh, that... uh, the All Blacks got up and won uh, in that last-minute kick from Geordie Barrett. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that Grant Fox was uh, thrilled it went that way because, of course, he's uh, an All Black selector these days, played against the Springboks on many, many occasions. Uh, good morning to you, Foxy. Hi, it's my beat. Hey, look, um, how did you feel about it straight afterwards? I, I think you knew what was coming. How did you feel we reacted to it? Well, we'll take the win, won't we? Um, because it was, you know, the hundredth test, and it was a significant milestone in both countries' rugby history. So, we'll bank that. Um, you know, I expected the strategy from the Springboks. Maybe so I just heard Plum talking about kicking bombs in our 22. Maybe didn't anticipate that, and we did struggle a bit with that. Um, and you can talk about um, anticipating what's coming all you like. It's another thing dealing with it. But it was a frustrating old night because I actually thought there were times when we were looking like we were going to create and then we'd make a mistake, you know, drop, drop a ball or give a penalty away, which, um, you know, we just, we, we sort of let him off the hook. So uh, frustrating old night. Um, our skills let us down. Um, the, the real frustrating year I found, Smithy, and it was obvious early in the game, was our breakdown wasn't working because, you know, we were short of numbers and we were short of numbers because... Um, on occasions, unfortunately, some guys didn't nail their roles and didn't get to where they needed to be, and it made life difficult for us. But um, they'll address that this week, I'm sure. OK, let's, uh, let's look at uh, the performance, perhaps, of, of Geordie Barrett and uh, the way he said it sort of came through a fairly torrid sort of encounter uh, with a pretty calm nerve in the end. Yeah, he's made a lot of progress, hasn't he, Geordie? Um, you know, there is, seems to be a calmness about him. Um, and he, he likes the big moment. And what I love about him, that kick, there was never any doubt that he's going to put his hand up and say, give me the ball. And, you know, you're putting yourself in the firing line there because there's a chance you don't get it. There's obviously a chance you get it as well. But I just love the attitude is, give it to me. I want this. Um, and that's gold for, you know, when, you, when you, you want to deal with the pressure that's coming your way. So... I love that about him. You know, his high ball work at the moment is, is very good. His goal kicking all round is, is superb. He just seems like he's 
just timing the ball nicely rather than trying to smash it. Um, so he's obviously done a lot of work. You know, his positional play around the field is good. You know, he didn't get challenged defensively too often on the tackle front on um, on Saturday night, but we know that's a strength of his game. Um, he sort of dropped one ball with a real attacking opportunity to breach the line. Uh, got denied an opportunity perhaps for a try when um, there was a deliberate knock-on. But Geordie can be proud of the progress he's making. He's really turning into, you know, a top quality in the national footballer. In terms of, uh, you mentioned before about uh, um, Plum talking <coughs> about uh, the the way they kicked into our 22. Um, did that catch you by surprise as well to the level? I mean, towards the end of the game, they had the lead, they had possession, and and the last thing you would want to do is, is kick it away, one thought. But are they, are they that tuned into that they can't even stop themselves at that point? Well, I guess so. I mean, look, they've had a lot of success with this strategy. Um, you know, it's something they understand. They're ruthless about it. They're actually very good at it. And it's bought them, you know, good results. I mean, you know, it bought them a Rugby World Cup. Although I would say that, you know, the semi-final against Wales for them was very much a game like that with both teams indulging in that. But um, the final, they balanced their game nicely because they did attack England a little bit. They got a balance. So I thought they would bring more balance to their game against us. So I was a little surprised. And I can't even remember a time, and most of my time, you know, involved in footy, which is 40-odd years now at a sort of high level, or nearly 40 years um, where you have a halfback um, box kicking from nine in the middle of the park about 30 metres out. I don't reckon I've ever seen that in my life. So, yeah. um, but it bought them a try, didn't it, when um, unfortunately Bridgie dropped the high ball. Um, but they did it more than once. And perhaps they'd seen something in our backfield where you know, you're defending back a little bit um, and there's no one directly in behind. And so that's where they went. And um, it, it bought them success once. So little surprise but you know it's like anything isn't it Smithy? when you when you when something you've planned works um once you're yeah. going to keep trying it aren't you yeah and even though um it didn't work in the end uh, i'd imagine there's not going to be too much different uh this week i'll get onto that very shortly foxy but first of all yeah. uh, i'd like uh, perhaps you comment on on ethan blackadder and and perhaps that sort of yeah. epitomizes the all blacks at the moment you've developed it depth, you've, you've tried to develop players coming into a situation uh, where they might think it, during the week they're not going to get involved and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and you're in. Blackadder's performance. Yeah, very good, wasn't it? I mean, it, you know, he hadn't played a lot at seven at all and, you know, we've seen, we saw a skill set there during Super Rugby that we thought would, you know, marry up nicely with seven and, um, and um, you know, Scott Robinson gave him an opportunity in a game where he played well. He's played seven earlier in the year for us. So, um, you know, that late change is not easy. Um, But it just sums up Ethan. I thought Cody Taylor probably, you know, the comments he made during the week sum up Ethan Ethan Blackadder. I mean, he's just got... He's a tough man. He's got a relentless attitude. Um, And he wants to be in the fight all the time. He's the guy who will be in the front line leading the charge. So, you know, he, he can be... It's like he is built for Test Rugby. You know, it's a tough old business, Test Rugby, at the sort of Tier 1 level. Um, but it, it, a guy like him's just, you know, just he's built for it. Um, not only, you know, physically, but with his mind, more importantly, with his mindset. So um, again, you know, he can be very proud of his night out. What do you look for? This uh, I know you've got to look at bodies and how they they bounced out of this occasion. Uh, you've yeah. wrapped up the trophies. Yeah. You've you've got to the point where you wanted to be result wise as such. 
do you say to the guys uh, it wasn't the tidiest performance? Uh, we need you. We picked you guys in the first place because we were the, we believed you were the best to handle it. Uh, it didn't quite work out that way. So do you go to those guys and say, uh, "Here's another crack. Get it right this time," or do you turn around and say, uh, "You know, let, let's let's give other players, younger players, perhaps now that we've locked this thing up, more experience about playing against this kind of football because it's not going to change." Yeah. Um, look. Um your first comment is one line of thought. Um, um, your second comment, we wouldn't be as radical as we would be against Argentina too, at all. Um, but it's possible we will, you know, we'll tweak one or two um, positions because we've got the rugby championship locked up. Um, we've known, you know, we've given some guys an opportunity in South Africa one, and some guys played well, and some perhaps not as well as they would have liked. And you know, what we've got to mull over is say, right, oh, do we put them back in and get them a chance to, you know, um, experience that again and perhaps uh, learn from it? Or do we say, well, do we try someone else, um, you know, in the odd position to see how they scrub up against this? So, um, you know, we've got a bit of discussion to have yet as a selecting group, which we'll have to have later today because I think everyone understands the team knows who plays on Tuesday morning, but the media don't find out till Thursday. So... Uh, we've got a, a, a discussion coming up later today as a selection group to work that out. Just just before I get on to um, perhaps this week, um, set pieces, Fox, is always something you, uh, you, you look at uh, very closely. Uh, line out and scrums. There the, seem to be uh, a, an interminable amount of scrum penalties, and we suffered most of them. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a line out. I mean, you know, they're, they're tall timber and they're a good line out. Um, uh, both with and without the ball. Um, so, and we haven't always been as accurate as we'd like to be when we're going sort of more towards the rear of the line out. Sides are giving us the front, so we're going, you know, we're adapting and going where it's secure, but it's not as easy to attack off. So, you know, I think, you know, um, not as good as we would like, but, um, a bit of, and a bit of work to be done there. Scrum wise, um, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I'm not convinced all the penalties were right, were given the right way, to be honest. And that's something that I think the coaching staff are a bit frustrated about. So they'll be seeking a bit more clarity on that. Um, um, so it's, it's a you know it's a difficult old night when um, you know you got a front row who thinks they're doing something right, and you know there's certainly there are ones against you that you can't disagree with. And the odd one you go, well, what was that for? Because it seemed like they were backing out of that rather than us going to ground. So need a little bit of clarity there. But um, again. You know, these guys are a good set-piece unit. It's a big focus in their game. Um, you know, we've made a lot of progress in the set-piece, um, but we've obviously still got a bit of progress still to make. So the, the major talking point out of the, of the Test match was the, the way their 9 and 10 played the game. Not that it was a surprise, <laughs> but it was. What did you make of, the, uh, of our 9 and 10 uh, combination uh, at the weekend? Look, I think both have been playing well. Um, you know, and it was a pretty tough old night for TJ because our breakdown work wasn't as good as it has been in, the, in previous test matches because we were often a man down because someone didn't perform their role. Um, and so we've got to work out why that happened and the, the coaching staff will drill down into that. So, you know, I think TJ can still be pretty happy with his night out um, given that, you know, he wasn't, he didn't get the quality of ball that he has been getting. Um, and that also flows on through because it flows through to... You know, Bowden's under a bit more pressure and then the midfield's under more pressure and we know they're bringing plenty of heat there anyway. So, 
Uh, we've probably got a little bit of a, a, a that thing to do there. Um, again, it's like you know what's coming, but until you've experienced it sometimes, you don't really know what it's like. So we've had that now, and you know, this is a smart learning group, and I'm sure we will adapt. But the first thing we've got to get right is we've got to get, a, get, got to get our breakdown work right, which on Saturday night, frankly, wasn't of the standard we expect of ourselves. Foxy, going forward, where are we at um, with some of our players who uh, weren't there originally? <coughs> For instance, a Richie Moonga. Uh, we, we saw Aaron Smith play here at the weekend. What are we looking at uh, with him going forward? Uh, and Sam Whitelock yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah. so Richie um, is available this week. So he's over there. Uh, he is available for mm. selection. Uh, we won't have um, Aaron for the, for the rest of the year at all. Um, you know, he wasn't going on end-of-year tour anyway um, due to baby number two coming along and because of the quarantine restrictions um around not being able to get home. Um, if he went to Australia this time, he had to stay away the whole time, essentially couldn't get home. Um, so he's he's uh, not available for the rest of the year. So we've known that for you know a little while now. Um, Sam Whitelock and Sam Kane join us. I think in the States, this is not all the detail I'm across, Smithy, to be perfectly honest, um, but we, will, we, we get access to them um, soon enough. But Seen any Ryder Cup, mate, or been too... Yeah, yeah, no, I have. Bit, yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings, a fair bit of time on the couch. And um, I <laughs> wish I was been able to watch it now, but I'm on my way in to do a bit of work. So, um, um, yeah, exciting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, it's going to be American win pretty heavily, but, um, boy, it's a great yeah. event, isn't it? Just love it. Hell of a, hell of a golf course that, when the, you know, on the coast there, isn't it? Some of those, I mean, when you see the big hitters struggle to that extent, it, it yeah. is an amazing challenge. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's pretty aptly named, isn't it? Whistling straight, obviously, for a, for a particular reason. The wind whistles through there, so, yeah. Okay, Foxy. Hey, thank you very much for your time and uh, your honest analysis, mate. Um, uh, I think we got okay. the, the gist that uh, you're happy, um, but work to do, eh? Pretty much sums it up. Yeah, you always take, you always take a win, eh, Smithy? I mean, that's what yeah, you, you know, absolutely. when you're playing uh, a contest, you want to win. Um, how you win's another matter, and we didn't win how we would have liked. Um, and we'll obviously try and um, try and address that this week and be better on Saturday night. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Have a good week. Cheers. Right as mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Grant Fox here, of course, uh, you know, and um, as you say, you set out to win a test match, you set out to win uh, a trophy or a competition, done it, tick the box, tick the box, very good. I mean, would we be worried to... to um, or disappointed if we'd have just won the World Cup final against South Africa like that? we'd be absolutely over the moon happy, wouldn't we, that we were able to counter it in some sort of way. Uh, but we're still left hungry because we expect so much from the All Blacks and we expect a certain game plan and, a, and a, you know, a, a certain kind of style, an attractive style of uh, playing the game. And when we don't get it, uh, and I'm in the group as well, I was, I was so looking forward to that game, but I, was, I, I don't look at it with... Um, the analytical eye that some people do. I, I want to look at it from a perspective instead of being that, that idiot on the sideline. I wanted to look at it in a different way. So I was a little bit, little bit disappointed, to be fair, uh, in the spectacle. But no, um, I know how hard it is to beat South Africa at anything. Uh, we'd take it. What, what about your, your take on it? Who are your standouts? Who are your standout players? Um, who would you perhaps not play this week, bearing in mind most people are available? Uh, hmm. 
Interesting. It is. 9.21am here on SENZ. We're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.26 here on SENZ. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to Grant Fox. Listen to Dean from Dunedin. We uh, challenged Dean from Dunedin. We asked him to ring up on Monday morning with his precy on the game. Uh, good morning to you, Dean. What, where, first of all, where did you watch it, mate? Where did you watch the game? Well, the law courts pub, Smithy, was awesome. They didn't give us good. stuff about the husband. They just filled her up. She was like the old days. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, what was, the, what was the consensus of opinion, Dino? Bloody loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think we're just so lucky that we've got the world's best sporting team in our backyard. We still find some reason to moan. I'm bugger if I know why, but... You know, South Africa, you can all, I listen to Grant Fox, and I think that's just how they play at the moment. And to be fair, my mate sitting beside me, he said, why'd they bloody kick it at the end? Well, it didn't matter. They still got into a position, must it drop the bloody ball. They could have gone for two minutes for a drop kick and won it. So they, their plan was okay. We got high balls all day. We knew they were coming. I played fullback, mate, so I know what it's like, but... I didn't have buggers jumping at the same time as me, you know. That's the difference. When they're smashing India, it's bloody hard to hold on to the pill. If you can get it cleanly, good on you. But when they're, their kicks were really, really good, you know, they're all under pressure. It's just great. We played unreal. I didn't even know Ethan Blackadder was in the team until they run on the field. I thought he was in the reserves. And to play without a specialist seven against them buggers, because we want the ball, and they want us not to have it. He was outstanding, that kid. Like, he, for me, he's, and I don't know nothing, mate, but he's a six. All day he's a six. Played, played his guts out, mate. Like, unbelievable. And we, Quinton Tupaya, good on that bugger. Like, he's a centre, a genuine centre. That's what I'd like to see. I don't like the swapping positions all over the place because we have to. Like, we've got specialists in New Zealand. Just pick them. But I loved it, mate. I absolutely loved it. It's what South Africa going to bring. We had to deal with it, and we thrashed them. We bloody thrashed them. What a kick from Geordie. That's all I got to say. It was awesome. Loved it. True old school. Dino from Dunedin. Uh, look, uh, Dean, we want to hear from you later in the week as well, man, as we lead into the next one. Uh, if you're still there, you, you, if they're all fit, if they were all fit, would you play the same 15, or would you make any changes at all? Oh, geez, I'm no selector, mate, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't play the same. We need a, we need a seven. And I'm really concerned about Saradine. Like, I like, I like Lynette Brown. Like, what's he done wrong? He doesn't get a chance. I reckon, honestly, he bloody moved to Waikato. And those Canterbury buggers didn't like that. Because I've always liked him, but he just doesn't seem to get a crack. Admittedly, he's injured at the moment. I'll throw one at you, mate. Honestly, I reckon the best fullback in world rugby is Will Jordan. I love what Geordie's doing. But I reckon he could play 13. He's played 12. He's got the skill set. He's got the vision. Rico's a winger, if you ask me, all day. He wants to tuck it under his wing, and he wants to run into people and score in the corner. Made a bit of a showboating for me when he scores a try or when he drops it over the line, but he's a winger. I don't know. But we've got that many to pick from. It's hard, you know. Look, the honest thing, Smithy, is let's all be honest. It's just an opinion. It's like an asshole. We've all got one, you know? That's what we love about it. 
Luckily, I'm allowed to ring you up and voice mine, but that's all it is. I just want them to win. I don't care how they win. I just want them to win every time, and, and they do. You know, we get upset every now and then, but the majority of the time we win all the time. But I reckon in World Cups, we win when every bugger on the planet can pick the all-black team. When we're mixing them up and putting them all over the place and combinations aren't set, we get upset. That's how I read it anyway. And good captain. World Cups are won by outstanding captains. They all have been in the past. And I don't know where our captain is. I love Sam Whitelock. I reckon he's outstanding. But Sam Kane, we can't give him the name microwave because Ginger Henderson's got that. But he's never on the field. And the leader needs to be on the field. Good on you, mate. Absolutely outstanding. Just what we expected that you'd come in with. Uh, have a great week. We might catch up with you towards the end of the week, Dean, as we look forward to uh, the second of those test matches against the Springboks. That's a summary. There's a summary from Dean. Uh, it's 9.31 here. A little bit late for the news, but it was worth the wait, Trudy. Up to you. Well, England have won their first ever netball series on New Zealand soil by beating the Silver Ferns 49-45 in the decider in Christchurch on Friday night. And so doing, they get to hold the tiny Jamison Trophy. That was a bit of a turnaround, I think it's fair to say. Courtney Tyree has joined us this morning. Courtney, good morning to you. The Silver Ferns leading by 10 goals. 10 goals at half-time and basically blowing that lead. What did you make of that? Good morning. Yes, obviously it was very disappointing. And when they were up by 10, I think everybody thought, great, we're going to take the series, take the tiny Jamison trophy. But what we knew from game two was that England really focused on their second half and in particular their third quarter, which is the championship quarter. Their captain Serena Guthrie said that's what, their focus was for game two and they sort of blew us out of the water in that second half in game two. So when we're up by 10, I still think everyone thought this is a comfortable lead, but we knew what England could do. And we just were on the back foot and we didn't, we were playing more reactive. We lost our confidence and we just let them take control of the game. Mm. And for them to end up winning by four. So realistically it's a 14 point turnaround, which is pretty unheard of in a half of netball. It is. And when you also consider, if you look at the game of netball compared to other sports, it's about, uh, of course, it's about what you do with your possession, but you get 50% of the possession. You get, get it under the rules of the game. You get the ball back regardless every second time. So that would be the concerning thing. I mean, if you had, didn't have possession and you blew a lead like that, you'd say, well, but they had possession. So what, what actually, if you look at the fine points of it, where did it break down? Yeah, look, for me, if you look at the stats, it's a centre-pass attack, and you're right, Smithy, so every time a, every time a point scored, you get the ball back or every second time. So you get 50%. So for me, down the attacking end, what we weren't doing, we, we weren't trusting each other, we weren't getting the ball to the circle edge and getting it to our shooters. And when we did, I feel like we didn't really have our goal shooter and goal attack step up. You usually have one that's more dominant than the other, but I feel like they both went into their shell against this English uh, defensive side led by Jeeva Mentor. So for me, the attack just sort of fell apart. You're watching it just, I guess, capitulate. And then you just couldn't, they just couldn't get it together. And then we're losing ball. And then what that means is when you lose 
possession and the England scored, then they get the centre pass. So every time we lost the ball once, England are getting two points realistically. And yeah, it just really fell apart for me down the attacking end. And defensively, we just were on the back foot and we couldn't get those turnovers. Like, so Dame Nolan looks at that series. I mean, she's a winner. Um, you know, I, I would imagine she's uh, a little angry and a little disappointed about how things turned out. Uh, when that goes, what, how do you think she'll look at that series uh, in terms of some of the new players she introduced, perhaps? I think even after the second game, she could have probably already crossed a few players off her list heading into a pinnacle year next year for Commonwealth Games. She tried the Mystics winning combination of Mweki and Tuiava in the game two, and it really didn't work up against classy international experience defence uh, like the England Roses. So I think even after game two, she could have crossed a few off her list, but especially after game three, I think she players really got found out and she knows who can, I guess, make that step up from ANZ to the international stage because it is a big jump up and a lot of these players like England and Australia they all play against each other in Suncorp here in New Zealand we just play against each other so to test them against I guess the world's best I think uh, she really found out some players and I also think it makes her go back to the drawing board because you do have players like Phoenix Kardika who's coming back from a baby Kayla Johnson who's put her hand up Katrina Dorde so she's got players who are sort of coming back from having babies and aren't quite there, I think it's made probably Dame Knowles realise she needs to really start looking at these players and getting them back possibly for next year. Courtney, in terms of on-field leadership, I'm not sure it's fair to judge uh, Gina Crampton too much because of of the fact she missed two out of the three uh, test matches, but does it fair to say we, we lacked uh, an on-field generalship in that regard? Uh, and, and would you persevere with, with Gina Crampton uh, all going if she's fit? Yeah, I believe that we did. And I would still go with Gina and Sulu Fitzpatrick. I believe they are the best that we have at the moment for the players that were available for that series. And there's a series coming up against the New Zealand men. So I would stick with them too, definitely. Uh, but also when both of them were out in the third game, or sorry, when Gina was out in the third game and Salou, I feel like it really did. We went to sort of a fifth-choice captain uh, in the best regards. And so for me, we really did lack that leadership and someone that would just stand up and take the game and say, right, follow me, this is what we're going to do. No one really put their hand up, I don't believe. Uh, but going forward, I for next year, We'll have players coming back into the fold. And then I think it will probably go back to Amelia and Ekinacio if she does uh, come back into the fold. And even Jane Watson, if she comes back, because they are our leadership group. Uh, so they'll stick with, I think, Gina and Salou for now. But I do believe, especially in that game three, we did really lack that leadership and someone that just really put their hand up and said, right, I'm going to take charge here. The best one or two things to come out of it then from our point of view? Look, uh, we, we got some debuts out there, which even I, they probably wouldn't be happy with how they debuted, but I think it was really good for them to get a taste because they are young, a taste of what international netball is like. And I think even young Grace and Wecky coming up against 
the English defence was just such a big task. But I think for her to know what that feels like now to get sandwiched between Jeeva Mentor and Gus Goss. So I think that experience that they gained and knowing how big that step up is, is quite big heading into a pinnacle year next year. And I think the other positive, I guess, if you can look at it this way, is that I feel like Dame Knowles has realised the work that we now need to do and also the players that she probably had a question mark around and thought maybe they could do it. I think she's realised that that jump up for some players might just be a little too big. Okay, Courtney, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much uh, for your input this morning. Yeah, not uh, not what we wanted over the weekend, um, but it's uh, it, you know the the common phrase is learnings. I guess uh, let's get we get those learnings under control. Eh, going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Courtney. Courtney Tyree there didn't get a chance to ask her about the league. She's a big leaguey as well. So um, yeah, plenty of league coming up with Vossi after eleven o'clock. A uh, bit of pugilism coming up too after ten o'clock with Joe Parker. Uh, and lots of your texts to read out as well, plus a multi. It's 9.42 here on SENZ. Gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Heaps and heaps of texts have flooded in this morning from Brenton, Brisbane. Where is Bowden's pre-game gone from uh, Japan? Uh, Pre-Japan, he, he, he was very good. Um, and now, not so sure. Thank God for Ethan Blackadder. Cody Taylor and Geordie Barrett, who has been coaching Geordie in the goal-kicking department. Grant Fox, he is kicking majestically. Um, someone has texted and said, looking for positives. The Haka was good. Um, and also Brian has come on and said, oh boy, lucky the league semi was on before the rugby. Ian, be, agree with you. It was absolute rubbish from both teams in the rugby. We needed to go in with attempting to make very few mistakes, but wow, we dropped everything, keeping them in it. Not sure which game the guy you spoke to before was watching. That was, I um, imagine, alluding to uh, to Dino or Grant Fox. I'm not sure, actually, to be fair. Uh, Steve says, I thought Rico, Akira, Moody and Bridgie had average games. Geordie was my man of the match. Would like to see Richie at 10 this week. ALB outside Havili. I would uh, start Blackadder and drop Akira and have Luke J at number 8. Thanks, Steve, for uh, your input there. I'm not going to hang South Africa, says Brian, for the style they play. It's not how I like to see it, but they are pretty good at it. If that's their advantage, then use it, just as we would with a good midfield or a great tight five or a big line-out. We just have to be better at what we do to counter it. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Also coming in for me, how the game unfolded was so intense in the last 20 minutes. The inexperienced team did hold on to win and get didn't get frustrated and give penalties away in their half and lose the game at the end. The pressure and the greasy ball was throughout the game. Akira, I still think he's good, just not suited to that type of opposition. Uh, Weber in, possibly. Pap- uh, Papali'i, Blackadder, Jacobson for the Lucys. I can see the same team playing, though. Uh, Ken says, uh, bring uh, Smithy, I'd bring back Papali'i in the seven jersey, Satutu at eight, Akira at six, and bench, Artie, Blackadder, uh, and hard luck. But for four, uh, those four offer more dynamism. More dynamism. Uh, also, Smithy Dino. Uh, it's just like an asshole everyone's got. He's a good bugger. Well-deserved uh, prize of the week last week, quality radio. So that's just the selection of, of the, the, the way you have felt about the game. John, you would have looked at it, I'm sure. Um, from your perspective, 
with an analytical eye, you knew what was coming. Were you disappointed? Was a big letdown in the end? Yeah, I'm like that texter. I was watching the NRL uh, semi-final, which kicked off at six, so an hour before the rugby, and it was one of the most thrilling 40 minutes of oval ball code I had watched all year. And so I reluctantly changed the channel to this 100th test, because what am I going to do? Not watch the All Blacks? And then it started with a hiss and a roar, Smithy. We had Cody Taylor breaking through in the middle. Will Jordan was mm. over. And man, I was having fun. I was like, great decision, John. You've picked the right game. And then for 70 minutes, we got absolutely nothing. Every time uh, the All Blacks would get on a roll, which wasn't very often because of their own handling errors, there'd be an injury from South Africa. How many injuries did they have, Smithy, to stop the game? I think there were uh, over 30 lineouts and scrums during an 80-minute game as well. So South Africa were able to play the way they wanted, stop start, uh, force us into errors, but somehow we came up with a clutch kick at goal. So, Smithy, I did not enjoy the game at all. Uh, if it was a movie, I would give it one star out of five and I would have walked out of the movie theatre. But it wasn't. It wasn't a movie. It was real life. It was the All Blacks who were down on troops. I think we had uh, a late change there. Susie, the waitress, gave uh, Luke Jacobson a, a feed he didn't enjoy. And like we're without Sam Kane, Sam Whitelock, Aaron Smith, Richie Moonga. They were, they were four of our best players. We've got young guys out there against a Springboks team who put us under the pump and we came out on top, Smithy. So it's one of those games that I hated, but in reflection, I think it's pretty good effort from those All Blacks boys who are missing a lot of high-quality quali- uh, high and high-profile people, Smithy. Would you play Richie Moonga this week if he was available? Yeah, I would. Actually, I'm with you in your, in your start of your uh, show today. I think if, uh, when you talk to Izzy in the breakfast show, if you don't play your way out, I think you get your juicy back. And Bowden's been pretty good. He wasn't amazing at the weekend. I think Richie Moonga gets a chance to play against the Springboks because he's like he's put in great performances, I think, against the Wallabies before, but I don't think he's ever quite nailed a performance against a team like the Springboks. So I'd like to see how a player like Richie Moonga goes under that sort of pressure. And George Bridge, eh? I feel sorry for him a bit, Smithy. You're all out there in the open, aren't you, under a high ball? And Grant Fox mentioned a lot of people at breakdowns not hitting the rucks correctly. Well, it's hard to notice who's not, but you can definitely notice who drops a high ball. And George Bridge was that guy, and I don't think he'll deserve another chance, Smithy. No, I, I think there's a lot to still to come out of it uh, in terms of what they'll do this week. I don't see, um, I don't see it uh, being a panic situation because we won. I mean, at the end of the day, we got what we wanted. But I think in that respect, it might be quite nice to give other players the experience of trying to play. If you want to build depth, you've got to build it against the Springboks in that way. So get other players to, uh, to benefit from that kind of footy because it's not the game of footy we know. It's totally foreign to the way we... Uh, it, at Super Rugby, at uh, provincial rugby level, whatever, it's not the kind of game we know or play or want to see, but it's there. And until they legislate against that kind of rugby and change the style of the game according to the laws, you've got to get players used to playing against it. So now that they've wrapped it up, I would be experimenting a wee bit. I would be saying, go and find out if you've got the answer to it. 9.53 here on SENZ Multi before 10 o'clock. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. 
Well, it's pretty ambitious. I often am at the weekends uh, with a multi-pronged, multi in terms of six particular options. But uh, look at the first four. Tasman to beat Waikato? No. Manly to beat South? No. Silver Ferns to beat England? No. Melbourne to beat Penrith? No. That's what that cops. Straight in the bin. So let's uh, move forward uh, today. San Francisco 49ers uh, to beat Green Bay Packers. That's NFL action this afternoon. Uh, Sunday night football, they call it over there. $1.58 for that. The Yankees to beat the Red Sox in the great encounter that always is at a buck eighty-seven. And tomorrow morning, um, we'll have a result from this one in time for the show. But Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace and Brighton playing in the Premier League. And, and that's a draw at 3 bucks. So we'll take that and a return of $8.77. Uh, the Americans uh, went looking for the Ryder Cup. They needed 14.5 points to secure it. Uh, they've actually got to 15.5, and, and they're going to end up with perhaps 18.5 points. So, yes, they have won uh, the Ryder Cup this time around. And for Steve Stricker and all his support crew, uh, a job absolutely well done. And, look, we're going to be talking boxing after the break. There's a new heavyweight champion of the world. His name is Alexander Usyk. Alexander Usyk. Uh, and uh, he might be on the radar now for Joseph Parker, and it's Joseph Parker who we're going to be talking to. Of course, he's got a, a fight lined up against Chisora later in the year. We'll ask Joseph Parker about that, uh, but what he made of that fight yesterday. And, and uh, what now for Joshua? I mean, he was outclassed, flattened, really. Not a good performance at all for AJ, as they call him. Yep, the matchup with Chisora. That is this calendar year for Parker next on the agenda. And he's next on ours as well. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Oh, big shot by Usyk. He's oh, 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 AJ, AJ is in trouble. Ropes. Do oh. you believe this? Yes, I believe it. Yes, I believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards. All three scores go to the winner by unanimous decision. And new heavyweight champion of the world, the fighting pride of Ukraine. And all apologies to Canelo Alvarez, but you've got to say this man has to be, if not the, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, considering what he just did. Accolades all round there for Alessandra Usyk, who has just uh, captured the WBO, IBF, WBC, and WBA belts. Uh, hoping to speak to Joseph Parker about that. Uh, we can't at the moment. Um, uh, he's, um, he's not picking up his phone, but uh, hopefully he does in a very short space of time. Uh, John, what did you make of that? Did you, was it a relatively big surprise to you? It didn't sound so much to the co-commentator. I'm not sure who the American co-commentator's voice was. 
Uh, but he didn't sound so surprised about the whole deal. Yeah, I just it was so good to watch that on Sunday morning after watching the Springboks All Blacks. It was just like, here are two guys who are just going toe-to-toe and actually both boxing the way that you want them to. Um, or I'd say for Anthony Joshua, maybe didn't press his reach and size advantage as much as people wanted to. But that was my first time watching Alexander Usyk. And he's a southpaw. He's three inches shorter uh, than Joshua. But man... Is he hard as nails and is he quick? Uh, and he's got a left hand straight that did so much damage. And he was uh, in boxing, they always talk about working angles, Smithy. And he was just able to get out to the side of Joshua and then just bring home the straight left, which just hurt Joshua several times. And then by the end of the fight, Joshua was literally on the ropes, Smithy. And normally when you're the bigger guy, you don't get put on the ropes squirming. You're normally the guy uh, pressing home your advantage and putting the other guy on the ropes. So Alexander Usyk, it was a unanimous decision. And fair enough too, he was busy as um, the early rounds went to him. In the middle, it looked like uh, Joshua was maybe getting parity again. And then the end, it was just all Usyk. And you could see Joshua when he's in trouble, he starts smiling. Some people smile because they're having a good, uh, good time, but Joshua smiles when he gets hurt. And we've seen his smile before with Andy Ruiz uh, when he lost to him, and we saw that same smile again yesterday. So no wonder we can't get hold of Joseph Parker. He's probably training Smithy. He reckons he could probably beat Alexander Usyk, a smaller guy. Um, but Joe has probably got a similar problem to Anthony Joshua that he just doesn't get aggressive enough. So I'm wondering if maybe uh, if Joe Parker watched that fight and thought, hey, maybe this is a problem I have as well, and I need to get on the front foot a bit more when it comes to these big fights. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was a surprise for me, uh, only because I didn't know as much about Usyk as perhaps I should have, um, and, and the, the Southpaw aspect of it. So um, the rematch for that, you, you think, though, you know, the first thing when someone loses, or in a, particularly in a points decision, although it was fairly, uh, fairly obvious which way it was going to go, I, I think it, it's... It's, they, they start talking about um, uh, rematch. Roy Jones Jr., I've just been told, was a ringside commentator yesterday. Uh, of course, not just a, a fantastic, one of the all-time great boxers, Roy Jones Jr., but here we've got a guy who, who, who saw it coming, absolutely saw it coming. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, rematch. Pretty quick, not well, not quickly, but pretty, uh, pretty much on the agenda, you would think. Yeah, guaranteed rematch, just like he did with Ruiz, and he won the belts back that time. But I think Andy Ruiz was a genuine shock. Uh, you know, uh, a tubby little Mexican who what, loved his Mountain Dew, was it, and things like that after mm. celebrating, and um, didn't put in the work for the rematch. But Alexander Usyk is a different beast. I mean, he's had 350 amateur fights, Smithy. He's a hardened professional. He uh, unified the belts in the cruiserweight division, moved up to heavyweight, and within three fights has got himself four belts. Uh, three of them matter, one of them doesn't. Uh, so he just needs to fight... Uh, Tyson Fury now to unify the heavyweight world championship. So Alexander Usyk is a different beast to Andy Ruiz. He is cut, he is trim, he is focused. Even after the fight, he was like, oh, I've just won all these belts. This must be the highlight of your career, Alexander. He's like, nah, winning gold in 2012 at the Olympics was the highlight of my career. So even beating Anthony Joshua at Tottenham Stadium in front of 70,000 people wasn't the highlight of Alexander Usyk's career, which shows me that he will be switched on for the rematch Will Anthony Joshua, uh, will he be able to get those belts back? Um, really disappointing yesterday that he just didn't put the hammer down. And I wonder why these heavyweights don't. When they're so much bigger and they've got so much more to give, why don't they just let go? 
Is it because Alexander Usyk is such a, uh, a good boxer and the sweet science of things? If you get a mistake wrong going for a knockout, then you'll end up on the floor. So, yeah, I just um, it, it bewildered me, really, Anthony Joshua's performance. I thought he would bring a lot more heat than he actually did. Um, great fight day yesterday as well, Smithy, with Dan Hooker winning in the UFC. Mm. And I thought... When it comes to people, um, I know we want um, our sports people to be icons or people that young people look up to. Dan Hooker, I think, uh, when it comes to people young kids should look up, look up to in New Zealand sport, would be right up the top for me. That guy just doesn't take any excuses. He had them all under the sun, but he went over there and did a great job yesterday, I thought, Dan Hooker in the UFC, Smitty. So it doesn't look like we're going to get Joe Parker, so I see Brian in the background trying like, Give up, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it because I think we've just got a good pricey here uh, from John Day about the whole thing. But the thing about Hooker that got me was that he had absolutely the most horrible immediate build-up to that fight. I mean, he didn't even leave New Zealand. Didn't leave New Zealand till late last week. And then he has to front up on, on Sunday and win that event, which I, I thought was brilliant. Absolutely a brilliant performance uh, by Hooker. Of course, this is the story too. Uh, John of uh, a boxing gym that was raided by the police on uh, a couple of occasions. He was directly affected by that. Get out of here. Go home. You're not allowed to be in this environment under this level. Um, you can't do that. Uh, so he had to go home and construct a gym in his garage to go, you know, to, to get some sort of preparation, which I'm sure um, was, you know, it was far from what he was ideal, far from what he wanted. So that, that in that respect, was very disappointing for for Dan Hooker. But to come through that, I thought it was an amazing achievement. Uh, and news also, uh, just coming through in the last 24 hours, that uh, Israel Adesanya has said he's uh, leaving New Zealand. He's going back to the USA because of problems they had at City Kickboxing um, with training during that lockdown. He said, I won't be based here anymore in any of his build-ups. So goodbye. Goodbye, New Zealand. W what do you make of uh, Israel Adesanya being so outspoken, he has been. He's been in trouble for for shooting off uh, every now and then on a number of issues. But w what do you make of that? I agree with him, Smithy. Uh, they've got no help. In fact, they've just got barriers from people in New Zealand. When other sporting teams get all the help in the world, all the help under the sun, our netballers are allowed to break level four lockdown rules to go to Christchurch. All Blacks uh, can get you know MIQ spots basically whenever they want. Uh, cricket teams, I think, have got hundreds of uh, MIQ spots. And then when City Kickboxing try and play by the rules, they did exactly what they did last year during lockdown for training. Uh, but this time's not good enough for the police, who I don't, they must have better things to do than come in and bust a bunch of, you know, world-class kickboxers who have played by the rules before, are keen to play by the rules again, but to come in and bust them. And then uh, Dan Hooker trains in his garage for four weeks and the police are round to his place every day checking up on him. They don't make it easy for these guys who really do fly the flag. You saw Dan Hooker yesterday, the flag draped around his shoulders you know, on UFC, like one of the biggest watch things on the planet. That's the New Zealand flag right there. New Zealand police do nothing for them. Sport New Zealand do nothing for them. The government does nothing for them. Well, see you later then. We're going to take this team somewhere where it's easy for us. I mean, all the fights are in America, Smithy. Why wouldn't you be based there? Uh, our boxers do training camps over there. So it's a damn shame because I know for our media, they were always easy to go down to city kickboxing. Uh, get uh, some interviews with those guys, more than helpful in terms of a media perspective, but they've had enough. Smithy, they've been treated poorly in this country. 
So they're going to pack up and take all their expertise and probably all their cash. I'm not sure whether Israel Adesanya will be playing tax back here. Probably will. Um, but So all his money will still go to the government, but he does not want big events coming here anymore and uh, doing good things for the government because they don't do good things for them. So I'm, I'm in Adesanya's corner here. I know he's outspoken and he roughs people up the wrong way, Smithy, but I don't see why they would stay here. I think uh, our government's actually reaching a point very shortly where they have to start making a few slightly tougher decisions than just lockdown decisions because, uh, and I'm not just referring to sport here, I know you know it's influencing the way teams are coming here or individuals trying to come here, trying to get home uh, as well. Uh, but I, <coughs> excuse me, I think we're reaching a bit of a point there. We've had a number of uh, texts come in. Usyk beat Junior Farr and Joe Joyce in the amateurs. Uh, Harrison Marker has come in and said, uh, the rematch isn't already contractually obliged. Uh, Uski won't touch Fury, but he'll keep Joshua down. Uh, never mind the boxing. What about the gate takings from 70,000 at, Wem- at um, Tottenham Stadium, or the Wembley Stadium, but Tottenham Stadium. Massive crowd there uh, over the weekend for, for that boxing. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot of people with an opinion on that as well. The netball, not happy. Dave's not happy. Uh, I couldn't believe Sam Winders, as captain, was laughing and giggling after the third netball test, uh, the one that they threw back to England, basically, uh, with turnovers, etc. He said, here, England, you have the tiny Jamison trophy, which effectively what happened, Dave says you would never, ever see that from Richie McCaw. Probably fair comment. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of of feeling about that. Uh, Brian, on another subject, says, don't think Sam Kane uh, is not going to make any difference. Uh, he might even not getting uh, might not end up getting a, a starting spot. Well, I reckon he will. As soon as Sam Kane is fit and ready to play, he will get a starting spot. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, Brian also says we don't like anyone that doesn't play our way. It is great that rugby has different styles. Test rugby is not entertainment. It is about winning. Super rugby is about entertainment. Interesting. Interesting, John. So, uh, what is the time? It's about ten fifteen. No, Joseph Parker. What do you say we take a, a quick break and reassess, reassess, just like you have to do under the high ball when it goes wrong. We'll have to reassess here on SENZ. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Lavina Good and Glenn Lama join us this morning on the panel. There's so much to talk about. Uh, Lavina, can uh, I start with you, please? Uh, where we were sitting down to watch the 100th test between the All Blacks and the Springboks, and we got up at the last second of it. But did it leave you a bit hollow in terms of the style of the rugby, or are you just damn pleased that we won? Oh, Glenn, are you there, Glenn? Sorry, can you yes, uh, I... answer me that question? Yeah, yeah good on you, Smitty. Mate. Yeah, good on you. I hope you can hear me all right. Uh, look, yep. um, I was a bit of both, uh, to be honest. Pleased that we won, of course. Always pleased when the All Blacks win. But, you know, you kind of hope that there would be a better spectacle for the sport than that, particularly in, in such a, a good occasion. And, and and it started well, didn't it? I mean, there was some pretty sensational stuff at the start, although that Springboks try was, was kind of gifted to them, I thought. But... Um, 
but yeah, look, uh, so mixed feelings for me, mate. It was a bit, bit of a, bit of a bummer um, at the end of the day. But look, you know, when when Barrett, that was a good kick, wasn't it? I mean, I, I think it was a good uh, penalty that he converted. I mean, it wasn't an easy one. It was wide out, long, uh, and for him to nail that, I mean, we can all put ourselves in his shoes when you bang one over from that distance from a wide out angle like that. I mean, you're walking away pretty pumped up, aren't you? Aren't you? So, um, so yeah, mixed, mixed for me. Yeah, I'm a bit in the. A bit in the same bracket. Uh, Levine, I think we've finally got you on board, which is fantastic. Uh, how did you feel after that uh, all-black victory on Saturday night? I reckon that was a boring game. I couldn't handle that, honestly. I just thought that was so great. And I know everyone's getting stuck into the box, just, you know, in terms of tactics and don't do it, but I just found it just not the most interesting game for me to watch at all. In fact, I forced myself to watch it. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I'm turning off of rugby or if I just don't like the tactics from the box. I mean, the high ball worked out quite well. I, I like the idea of kicking a high ball, but just kicking and kicking and kicking again. Put the ball in hand and try and score a bloody try. It did my head in. I'm really not into the rugby at the moment. I just don't know what's going on. I feel bad about it. I've always been a rugby league fan, but I've appreciated rugby over the years. I felt like that was a time warp, actually, for me. I felt like we went back 20 years to when it just used to be kick, receive, kick, receive, kick, receive. And I thought, wow, I can hardly wait to go and get myself a beer to try and make this game a bit more exciting. That's how I felt about it. So what, do we, what does it need then at that level? Do we just persevere with that or does it need a rule change? I, mean, I jokingly suggested this morning that you put a limit on box kicks of, say, three in a game from any one halfback. <laughs> um, you know, does, does it, I mean, it's laughable to think that way, but it, it's, it's going to have to be a rule change. It seems to change the way that the Springboks want to play. Lavina? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we need to put a rule on the kicks. I just think the whole, the mindset of rugby for the Springboks has always been the same, you know, kick um, and just get the big pack to smash them and see what happens. And because it's so predictable, I mean, the All Blacks have done wonders for the game of rugby over the past decade and a half to to utilise the ball, make it quick, get it out to the back line. It revitalised the game of rugby for so many people. Uh, but watching that at the weekend just honestly was like a time warp and I, I just couldn't handle it. And I don't know if a rule change will do it. It's a culture change, I think, for the box. It'll have to be a culture change. And I know it was a close game. Let's be honest. It was a close game. They had an opportunity to win it. We know that as well. But in the end, when it comes down to kicking, really, is that what's going to decide the, the winner of a 100-year game, a 100-times game? It just didn't do it for me. It frustrated me to have to watch that game. I don't know about you, Glenn. I didn't hear you earlier on, but... It frustrated the heck out of me. Well, look, I, I'll just jump in there. I just think the, the sport full stop's got a lot of issues at the moment. Um, I, I think what we're seeing at the moment, Smith, is, not, is, is there is an issue with the rules, but it's also the way the players are coached. Um, there's no instinct played in rugby anymore for me. I mean, I look at someone like Damien McKenzie, who came onto the scene five or six years ago. Now, he's different. He's one of my favourite rugby players. He's small. He's fast. He's elusive. But all that instinct has been coached out of him in the last uh, two to three years. He's been asked to play and conform to a, to a game plan in, in the teams that he plays for. And in doing so, I think his natural instincts on how to play the game have been coached out of him. I think that's a big issue. I also think, generally speaking, we don't have the really exciting players anymore. At the, we're going through a phase at the moment where we don't 
generally have a, a too many really exciting, uh, genuinely thrilling players to watch at the moment. You know, I remember if you watch these games that Sky put on occasionally, that might be 30 years old, and you see Jonah, Kristen Cullen, Tana Umanga, Andrew Mertens, Carlos Spencer, you know, running around. They're, they're just so good to watch because they all played that instinct that they had, and they were all encouraged to play uh, with the to, to generate their skills or the, the to their naturally skilled um, players, and they were they were asked to play uh, in that style. But now we're we're we've breeded over the last, and I, I don't just accuse this of New Zealand rugby as well. I think in, in a lot of rugby countries around the world, we're getting basically robots playing the game, and unfortunately, there's um, the the excitement is not there in the sport anymore. So those are, I think, some of the issues in, in rugby at the moment. Okay, uh, Glenn, can we just change to uh, our other um, premier code in, in terms of the women? And, and, and that, of course, is the Silver Ferns blowing a 10-goal lead, losing the tiny Jamison. I mean, they started in game one um, when they were up against it in terms of preparation. They started in a very positive fashion, and you only thought they were going to get better for it. They got worse somehow. Yeah, look, I can't explain it, um, Smithy, because generally we um, we see exactly what you've just described. Um, but you know, if uh, fair play to England, maybe they were just better prepared for this series. I mean, Nolene Totua before the series started admitted that we were going to be underdone for these three games, so maybe that's come into play here. But you know, maybe England got their preparation right um maybe they need a bit of credit i mean to come back from 10 goals down is is pretty amazing it's very rare that happens in netball so maybe our fitness wasn't um and it wasn't where it should be at the moment in, in some of these players maybe all of these factors come into play but yeah it'll be interesting to hear a detailed and um you know analysis of 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 or, or review of what happened is there because you need to look back at these things to improve going forward I don't know if it's conditioning, Levina? because I know Nolene Taurua, is, Nolene Taurua is massive on conditioning, so I don't know if it'll be a conditioning aspect, um, Glenn, but definitely new blood changing of the guard for the Silver Ferns. Nolene Taurua came out before the three test series and said that she'd try out some new players, they were missing a whole lot of leadership when it came to experienced players out there, and that's what showed in the second half. They looked rattled, and as soon as England started crawling back those uh, goals is when the Silver Ferns had all, all turned to custard for them. But it was a very cool, calm and collected kind of Nolan Toto at the end of the game because I guess what she expected from that team is how they performed in the second half, not in the first half. That's what she expected them to do in terms of not stand up correctly to the opposition because of their lack of experience. I know that she would have learnt a lot from that, uh, knowing Nolan Toto and that um, they'll prepare themselves as they come up against fiercer competition. But it is good for world netball. I mean, that dominance between Australia and New Zealand gets absolutely boring after a while. It's good to see England and the Jamaicans and other countries starting to, to hold their own when it comes to world netball. It's just what the netball scene is like to be learned for okay, the silver so, uh, out of that test series. Let's move on to the, the next high-profile one of the weekend, the, the NRL, and a, a, certainly a turn-up with Melbourne getting bundled out. Uh, Lavina, that was totally against uh, what we'd been uh, predicting. What did to make of those games over the weekend, and have you got a, a winner now? Yeah, that, that was great rugby league at the weekend. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd spoken to Glenn, actually, through the weekend uh, in terms of what might unfold, and Glenn had said, even if the Panthers beat um, the Melbourne Storm, they'll be hard-pressed the week after. The Panthers have had two massive games of footy against Parramatta and also against the Bunnies, and they put their life on the line literally a couple of times just to 
to try and win those matches. So it's been exceptional rugby league. It wasn't the best performance we've seen from the Melbourne Storm, but if you if you want to work out a way how to how to beat them, you just deny them possession. If you stop the Melbourne Storm from getting the ball, then that's one step of uh, taking it closer to beating them. So it was quality footy. Really enjoyed it. The Bunnies um, did their job a little bit easier against Manly because that's what happens when you have a week off. I just think as we go into this grand final, uh, the rested players are the ones that will be able to shine. And on the back of two, two big games, it'll be hard for the Panthers to lift. Although, at the start of the year, I did say to Glenn Lama, I'm thinking Panthers to go all the way. And I don't think I'll deter from that one at the moment. So I'm sticking with the Panthers, but it'll be bloody hard, real hard. Well, look, I'll be honest. I don't care who wins the game. I just want a good, close game. And I think we're going to get one. It's 50-50 for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I was really impressed with the Panthers yesterday, or was it Saturday? But I, I thought the Melbourne Storm were terrible in that game. And um, I watched the aftermatch media conference as well. And I was surprised, actually, Craig Bellamy didn't get stuck into his players a bit more. I think he wanted to, but I think he was um, just holding back a little bit um, because he didn't think it was probably the right kind of environment for him to do that. But, yeah, I mean, they made almost 20 errors in the game. I mean, George Jennings in the first half dropped that mm. ball with, with the white, with the try line wide open. I mean, that would mm. have that would have completely changed the game. And that was nothing to do with Penrith Panthers' um, pressure that saw him drop the ball. That was just poor hands from him. So in, in, in terms of, of that being a, a classic game, I wouldn't say it was as good as the, the Parramatta um, Par- Panthers game the week before. I thought that was an absolute classic game of rugby league. That was an unbelievable game, that one. But, um, but yeah, Melbourne, really odd to see them. I think they missed Cameron Smith. I, I saw um, some um, reaction to that yesterday. They missed a cool head to, make, um, to really keep that team nice and focused. Um, I think his experience and, and you know, that kind of Dan Carter-esque kind of um, composure wasn't in the Melbourne Storm yesterday, in that game on Saturday. I think they that was a big reason they lost the game. But fair play to the Panthers. I mean, for them to lift like they did after that Parramatta win and do it again was pretty amazing. I mean, they've only scored four tries, Smithy, in their three wins in the... Um, in the playoffs, which is uh, in stark contrast to their regular season. So they've done it on defence. And um, and f- as I said, fingers crossed, we're going to get a really close uh, and tight uh, final on Sunday night because um, if we do, it should be an absolute belter. should be really good. Uh, Lavina Good and Glenn Lama are the panellists this morning. I'll uh, we'll take a short break uh, for the news. We've been talking team performances up till now. Uh, after the break, I'm going to ask uh, both you, Lavina and, and Glenn, uh, about some individuals who are making headlines. It's 10.32. Here's Trudy. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, 10.34 here on SCNZ, part two of the panel. And uh, Lavina, if I could ask you the reaction or your reaction to Israel Adesanya saying, uh, goodbye New Zealand, I've had enough of your lack of support. Uh, I'm out of here. Yeah, there's two sides to this for me. I get, um, I, I understand his frustration. It comes from the fact that the MIQ system, which is really disappointing him, and also his teammate um, Dan Hooker not being able to train in that level four. So I get the frustration side of it. Um, the thing that I guess as a sports fan that frustrates me a little bit is that he came to New Zealand as a 10-year-old from Nigeria and there's been a support network for him, not just through city boxing, but through New Zealand in general. And in his eyes, he's like, well, there's exemptions for rugby and netball and, and cricket. You can make sure there's MQ for them. What about MMA? But in my eyes, I'm like, we're here to support you as well. Don't turn your back on us that easily. We're, you're part of us and we're part of you. And I'm sure we can find a way of getting around it. So 
And I don't like the way it was announced, the sensational side of it announced on social media from, from him as well. I'm sure a, a communicable process should have, should have been underway so that it could have been chatted about before the decision was made. But as it stands, he's decided to turn his back on New Zealand and not defend a title here, but to move to the USA. And it's come out of frustration for him. I just don't know if he's going to win too many fans along because of it. And he's probably lost me as a fan because of the decision. Glenn, uh, he came to New Zealand, as Lamina said. Uh, he wasn't a, a world champion at that point. Uh, he became one um, on New Zealand shores. We've adopted him. We've seen him with the flag draped around his shoulders like uh, so many of our uh, individual athletes around the world. What do uh, you feel a bit hollow about this, or are you just good riddance, uh, you know, good riddance to <laughs> Israel? Um, yeah, look, I, I'm kind of fallen to the latter category. I mean, to be honest with you, Smithy, I mean, if he wants to better his career um, over in the States and live there. Good luck to him. I mean, a lot of, he's not the first one to have done that. I mean, Lydia Coke springs to mind in that category as well, chasing the dreams of in her sport. So it probably makes sense, actually, given the environment we're now living in, for him to actually be based there, doesn't it? I mean, then he doesn't have to bother about MIQ which um, anymore. I mean, he's probably been through it at least three or four times now. I, I guess he'd be, I've been through it once, and I've been sick of it. So uh, I, 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 the whole idea of going through another three or four drive me nuts as well. So probably at this point in time, it's probably a good decision um, for his career and for all the other um, world-class MMA fighters that we have, too, for them to be based over there, then they don't have to go through the, the rigmarole of what's been created here due, during the COVID time. So I actually think it's probably a good move all round, really. I mean, he's always... I mean, these fighters are all full of talk in, in a way, aren't they? I mean, he says he's never going to fight in New Zealand again and he won't be back here. But will he... Smithy, I mean, if COVID... If we do get rid of COVID eventually and, um, and he's still going at that stage, I reckon he'll be back. Oh, well, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, there's an, uh, another one for me, Lavina, which I just, I scratched my head at this, uh, Reese Walsh. Now, uh, this, is, this is pathetic for me. I mean, I don't give this guy, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at his raw talent, but clearly uh, he's not there. Uh, possession of cocaine, um, he's now been charged with, um, one counter possession of prohibited substance and will appear in court in October. He will undertake drug and alcohol uh, counselling. Big deal. A big deal, son. That's what I say. What do you say? Well, I'll tell you what, Rusey Walsh, there's a lot of things in rugby league I can't teach you, but I can teach you one thing. When the police ask you to move on, buddy, I reckon you should move on. There's lesson number one for the 19-year-old. Lesson number two is you live by the sword and you die by the sword, especially in the game of rugby league. It's, it's sad for me that such a youngster... I mean, I felt sorry for him when he was exposed to the media, really. I think at 19 years of age, the Warriors should have probably handled that a lot better. But for me, the sport of rugby league doesn't need this. This is not a part of the game that I love so much. This is not a part of the game that I advocate to my children to be one of the greatest games of all. So I was a little bit disappointed when I heard it. Was I surprised? been other things that have happened in rugby league that has surprised me a lot more there's lessons to be learnt there um no one's perfect and but for the grace of god you don't want to condemn anyone for doing anything socially because we've all done that at some stage in our lives and our career but this is a big mistake reese walsh has made and uh i think it will take its toll as to whether or not he might have been named as the rookie of the year if that was to be the yeah. case they were all on the dog and bone yesterday mate saying knock him off it's going to go to him it'll go to Sammy Walker it's not going to go to him so that's one sacrifice he'll have to face the others are trying to earn the respect from the 
the diehard Warriors fans um, that do love him at this stage, but there'll be the disgrace that comes with, with his efforts and what he's done. So you've got to face the consequences of your actions. He's got a very long career. The only thing I hope is that he's learnt from his mistake. What do you think about it, Glenn? Reese Walsh was dumb. Um, and I 100% agree with what you said there. I mean, it was funny. We were watching the news last night, my wife and I, and I said, why didn't he just move on? The cops would have known who mm. he was when they saw him. They gave him the opportunity to move on, and then he made a poor decision, and now he's paying the consequences. So what he did was dumb, um, and you're right. He won't be named Rookie of the Year. That's cost him that probably 50-50, maybe 33%, because Josh Schuster from Manly's probably in the running for that um, award tonight as well. So, yeah, look, um, it's it's uh, Warriors haven't had one like this for a little while, have they? And it was interesting to see how they dealt with him yesterday when he broke down on the um, during the media um, Zoom conference yesterday. It was interesting to see that um, Cameron George was sitting right next to him and, and comforted him. Found that interesting because they realise they've got a good talent on their hands there and they don't want to they don't want to lose him. Uh, but yeah. Um, we go back to that first decision. It was dumb, and Reese Walsh, yeah, it's um, is, is going to be um, is going to go have to go through the court system now and get what he's get his come up comeuppance. Glenn Larma, Lavina, good. You've been outstanding this morning. Thank you very much for your um, your input and uh, very strong opinions here on a number of subjects, which is exactly what we enjoy from uh, our panel. And another one at the same time tomorrow morning. Speaking of time. It is 10.40 here on SENZ. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, a number of texts have uh, come in on a number of issues, uh, particularly uh, the rugby, of course. Uh, and Maggie says, great to hear Glenn Lama, SENZ. Please keep him on. Cheers, uh, Maggie. We'll try and do that as often as we can. I know Glenn's a very, very busy man. Uh, Richie McCaw says Chris never played netball. In Geordie's interview after the game, he said Faf put backspin on those kicks. That's why they were extra hard to catch. Play the same team again, just changed two and nine uh, in those positions. So at halfback and, of course, hooker. Uh, Smithy isn't any level of sport about entertainment. If that's all South Africa can bring to the table, it's a disgrace and shows an ineptness from their coaching team uh, to actually coach the game that way, to spend 24-7 doing a job and come up with that crap, wow. Uh, that's from Gizzy from Bombay, Bombay of course. Uh, and here's one uh, about uh, Adesanya. Israel has done himself a lot of damage with his comments. I've been a big supporter all the way through, but not now that he has rubbished New the New Zealand flag and pretty much uh, turned uh, his back on his supporters. This country has done a lot for him. He has a very selective memory. Cheers. Steve, okay, Steve, uh, talking of emotions, uh, I've been watching out of the corner of my eye a number of uh, uh, the shots, etc., and the reactions in the Ryder Cup uh, over this weekend. It hasn't let me down at all. It's been absolutely fantastic to watch as a spectacle. And now uh, you're seeing a lot of release of pressure uh, in terms of uh, America have won it. They've won it. It was no secret they're going to win it, I think, about a day ago. They had such a phenomenal lead. It would have taken all sorts of heroics from the European team for the, to knock it back over. So currently there's still a couple of matches out on course coming to an end, but the score at the moment is 17.5, 8.5. America needed to get to 14.5. Seen uh, grown men cry. I've seen uh, Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter both break down. Two uh, really traditionally strong men in the Ryder Cup. Uh, too much for them. 
John Rahm, another one, number one golfer in the world, uh, really um, very quite uh, quite emotional, quite distraught, some of them. Scenes down the fairway of some of the uh, American team drinking all sorts of things while uh, their cohorts are still hard at it. Um, but the one constant is Steve Stricker has uh, made sure that he will stay on the course, the coach or the captain, until the very end and his last player has completed his match. So certainly didn't disappoint this time round. It was been uh, wonderful, but uh, the USA completely and utterly owning the Ryder Cup uh, in Whistling Straits. Deserved, deservedly so, they get their name on the trophy, John. Absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And crowds, what, you know, I mean, a Ryder Cup without crowds. I think that's the one sporting event that would be flat on its face. Yeah, the Yanks love it, don't they? Um, who's, who's been the standout? Who's the MVP in, in Smithy's books, having watched it all weekend? Yeah, it's, it's hard to, uh, to go past. I mean, Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson has just been absolutely sensationally good as a leader. Uh, Justin Thomas, very, very good as well. Morikawa, he just continues to grow in terms of his strength. I mean, the Americans, by and by, uh, have just played to their strengths. They got the combinations right. DeChambeau played really well, uh, as did Kepka. The arch enemies were led to believe there was a very small, a very small uh, high five and embrace between uh, DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. That's as long as it lasted. And uh, they caught it. They managed to catch that on camera, and that's that'll be on. I imagine you'll see that on uh, Facebook or YouTube or social media because it was the briefest of emotions. I can I can. Uh, outline that to you, John. But the the big disappointment, Rory McIlroy. McIlroy was, um, you know, up until today when he did finally win one in a lost cause, uh, he beat Shoffley three and two. Uh, he was poor. He was very poor. Cantlay, again, just uh, re-emphasising the fact of just what a great golfer he is. Tommy Fleetwood did nothing, absolutely nothing for Europe this time round. Uh, Lee Westwood, pretty low-key. Poulter, very low-key, because he is a man who... Just never, ever loses, never loses at the Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup has this time around. So, yep, clearly a, a bigger highlight for me than the rugby, but we did win the rugby. It's 10.50, Louis Herman, what very shortly. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Heavy tracks uh, at the weekend here in New Zealand meant uh, some of the fields weren't as uh, good as uh, a lot of people would have wanted. Uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us, of course, now, courtesy of loveracing.nz. Louis, yeah, spring, we're going, we're thick into spring now, and we're still racing on 10s and 11s, and it detracts a wee bit from it, doesn't it? Well, what's the, uh, what's the state of play down your way? Are we going to get a better track this weekend, maybe a four or a five? What do you think? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be probably, um, I think, a tick or two better than it was last time round, and I think last time round it was a judge to be very fair. So uh, we've had a bit of rain, and it's a little bit forecast during this week, but uh, I think much better news on that score. Much better news, Louis. Beautiful. That is good news. Uh, House of Cartier uh, got it done for um, Peter Didham in the feature race of the weekend at Awapuni, the uh, Ingleheim metric mile. Bowden had to lug that top weight and ran beautifully for second. You're right, though. The fields were properly decimated, weren't they? Um, Matter Matter had a race with three horses in it, which you never like to see, especially on a Saturday 
across the ditch though it was probably a bit a bit bit, bit friendlier for um the horses racing and i don't know if you saw elephant just super super impressive yep. in the sandown stakes so goes on now and will get its shot at gr- group one in the Turak, where i think it'll be second favorite so imagine if they managed to pull this off they've taken a horse over there and i think that sandown stakes race was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars they got a group three they've earned good coin with rhinoceros elephant uh, they have bifrost over there as well this is david and emily brown if they can nick a group one or even a group one placing I mean, it's pretty incredible what they've managed to achieve, and, and they, they said that this horse is good enough. Let's take it, Smithy. Yeah, uh, look, I, I was super impressed, super impressed with that run. Um, I was interested that, that they backed up Probabil so quickly. Uh, what did you make of that performance, and what have they got on, and on track going forward? Uh, so probably I think we'll race you race in two weeks time again against Zaki. I just the name of the race escapes me and then they'll make a decision on whether she goes to the Cox Plate or the Empire Rose look I wouldn't be surprised if she races in the Empire Rose and takes Group One, just another Group One, an easier Group One. I mean, she'd be extremely tough to beat in that race. We know probably she's our best horse, but she's just run up against Zaki, who is. Well, he's a freak. He is a serious, serious freak, and he's going to be about two dollars in the Cox Plate. So, like, I, I, I don't think not going to the Cox Plate is going to be um, anyone should feel weird about that. I think they should probably just place probably where they feel like she's going to win the races. But she had heaps of merit with that run, Smithy. Honestly, it was a. There's no shame. She chased hard. There were some good horses in that race, and she got the closest to Zaki, who really did it hands and heels because he's a proper, proper horse. Ken, just an unbelievably good footy. Uh, normally we would be uh, talking to Vossi in this particular slot, but uh, Andrew is unavailable to us uh, this morning um, due to daylight saving. Uh, he's still on air, actually. We should uh, poke into his show and just see what he's talking about. But um, you know, he's uh, not available to us, but he'll be uh, there or thereabouts. And uh, we we're going to ask him about um, uh, the match on Saturday night in particular, John. But let, let's talk about your manly. Uh, they, they had a poor start and they just couldn't recover. They just could not get into the game against the Rabbitohs. And here we go again, Wayne Bennett. Here we go. Yeah, I had a shocker of a Friday, Smithy. Um, Tasman could barely pull a trick against Waikato. And then I thought, oh, come on, Silver Ferns. Nope, they fell over as well. And I thought, oh, at least Manly will stand up here. But no, nah, 22-0 at half time. Uh, Trebojevic dropped the ball over the line. They had another try disallowed uh, for contact. And then, yeah, the Rabbitohs took all their chances. And it was over by half time. One of those games, Smithy, where there was just no coming back. Um, yeah, it was quite deflating, actually. But all year long, I think, we've been saying Melbourne and Penrith are the two teams to beat. The Rabbitohs have been there or thereabouts kind of all season, but no one's really taking them too seriously until crunch time uh, because Wayne Bennett knows how to get teams up for must-win matches. Des Hasler used to. I don't think he's ever lost at this stage of the season before in teams that he's coaches. He certainly has now. Uh, but Wayne Bennett has those Rabbitohs absolutely fizzing, and I think they'll be they'll have more in the tank maybe than the Penrith Panthers. It'll be interesting to see uh, how it goes between Wayne Bennett and Ivan Cleary in the media this week, Smithy. And interesting, uh, really interesting, Benji Marshall going back to uh, another grand final 16 years, yes, 16 years after winning it with the Tigers. What a story that would be and uh, some real New Zealand interest in that. 
Yeah, amazing. Benji, 16 years, like just a kid. Whenever you see those, you know, flick out the back with the Tigers in 05, he just looks so young and he's been through so many things. But he's come to the Blues. He tried rugby, no good. Everyone thought his career was done about five or six years ago, but he's found fresh life wherever he goes, whether it be the Dragons, the Broncos, or now South Sydney. And the way the rules have changed, that number 14 position is just made for Benji Marshall. He just comes on and plays up-tempo, is able to do any job that Wayne Bennett wants him, and they've got that uh, history dating back to 2008 when they won the World Cup together. So, Benji Marshall, I see some of the people saying, is he an immortal? Is he that good? Like, everyone knows he's a legend, he's a Hall of Famer. The immortal is next level. That's for, you know, you know Mel Meninga, guys, Bob Fulton, just guys who are immortal in the game of rugby league. Would Benji Marshall fit that bill for you, or is he just kind of slightly under that? He's a great, but maybe not an immortal. Yeah, not an immortal. I'm sorry. Uh, my, my initial reaction to that is not an immortal. I mean, immortal is a hell of a description and hell of a clinic, a hell of a club to get into. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure that, that he's been able to do that. So, um, okay, um, so we'll, we'll go across to the other one, which, I mean, going into this, it was just Melbourne's to lose. Uh, and they've lost it. It appears that they might have lost it. So um, I, I find that I find that incredible. Actually, they just could not could not get into the game. Yeah, took them so long to score. What midway through the second half, and you thought the Panthers would have played their grand final the week before, um, but defensively so strong. Brian Toto came back from injury. I thought he added a hell of a lot to the Panthers, who have just got a, a lot of steel about them, don't they? The Steel Panthers. Um, it's got a good ring to it. So this grand final's never happened before in the history of rugby league, the Rabbitohs and the Panthers. I don't think there's been an all-Sydney grand final for about seven years. So those in Sydney will be pretty happy, although they can't watch it because the grand final's mm. at Suncorp Stadium at 9 o'clock or 9.50 on a Sunday night, which is terrible for us here in New Zealand. Um, you know, daylight saving, not only are we missing out on Vossi right now because of daylight saving, we have to wait until an hour later to watch a grand final on Sunday night. So it should be very, very interesting, that matchup, I think, in the grand final. And it is the master against the apprentice, isn't it? And Wayne Bennett against Ivan Cleary? Talk about those personalities, what you, what you think to emerge during the week. Because Wayne Bennett is very, very quietly spoken about most things in life. Uh, he just goes about what he does best, and he works with his players. Uh, Cleary is not, he's no Bellamy, um, you know. He's no Ricky Stewart either. Uh, they don't sort of tend to hog the limelight either of them. So in respect of coach-on-coach type scenarios, which so, so often are part of big game build-ups, uh, I don't think we'll see that this time around. Yeah, you'd think Ivan would have maybe learnt his lesson from week one of the finals. Don't go head-to-head with Wayne Bennett in the media and don't give Wayne Bennett the last say. And he did that twice and his team lost in week one. So I think he would have learnt a lot. He's been around a while, uh, Ivan Cleary. You know, he's played in the grand final with the Warriors. He coached in one, I think, uh, with the Warriors as well in about 2011. Um, so he's been around. Like, he's no rookie himself. Uh, so he would have learnt a lot, I'd say, from that week one and dealing head-to-head with Wayne Bennett. Uh, and I'd say he won't engage in the media. Like you say, he's not one of those guys normally to engage. Well, I'd say he definitely won't this week. There might be some heat on the referees, Smithy. Did you see the conversion uh, debacle. I mean, what are the referees doing? You've got touch judges, referee, guy upstairs, a try scored in the corner, but the conversion has taken somewhere totally different. And, and do you think that uh, Cleary was 
privy to that? Do you, do you think he knew what was, exactly what was going on, Nathan Cleary, or because of the occasion, etc.? Uh, do, you, do you just kind of suspect that um, you know he just went with the flow? Because of course, after the point of contact is made with a with a try and those sort of big game scenarios, everyone jumps in all over the top of each other, etc. Uh, do you think it was by accident or by design? <laughs> oh, you've seen enough, Smithy, being a sideline commentator. You must have seen goal kickers just try and move that tee just a little bit closer to the post. And sometimes you see a referee say, Oi, the mark's back there, mate. But surely he would have known, Smithy. Well, I, I've seen a lot in terms of, you know, uh, where a penalty is given on the field and players trying to roll the ball forward or, or and referees saying, no, 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 back there because it makes the kick. Um, that much easier, but this is this is slightly different in that in that regard. Uh, you don't quite often see it in terms of moving the ball in field, or maybe it does happen a lot, and we just don't notice it. And it takes the big occasion for it to uh, to emerge. But everything in the game is under so much close scrutiny that that you, you kind of think that that was a big one missed, a really big one missed at the weekend. Uh, John, I haven't really asked you about Reese Walsh. I mean, here's my my take on it. Uh, up until this weekend, he was the shining light of the Warriors. So many kids, young kids wanting to play uh, junior rugby league or whatever, to be a warrior, to be a Kiwi. They looked at this guy and said, that is the thing that has come out of this season, which is spectacular. I want to be a Reese Walsh. I want to be that kind of player. And, and all of a sudden, here we go again. We get a scenario uh, where a young kid makes a seriously big mistake. Okay, it probably won't affect his long-term career, but it'll always be there, and it'll always be on watch socially. Um, I, I find it extremely disappointing, but not that surprising. Yep, I agree with you, Smithy. I feel sorry for the Warriors. Like, this doesn't happen to the Warriors. They're quite a good brand. They don't do stupid stuff off the field, and I did like how Reese Walsh fronted straight away and said, this is a Reese Walsh problem. This is an individual acting dumb problem. This isn't a Warriors problem. Remember, they, they finished, uh, their season finished two or three weeks ago. So it's not like this is a Mad Monday situation where he's out with teammates getting loose. Uh, this is just Reese Walsh being a 19-year-old in Australia, Smithy. If you went to schoolies, um, I'd imagine this was an end-of-year uh, thing that um, kids do over in Australia. Uh, and, you know, they get loose. They get pretty loose. So... You know, um, this is pretty stupid, pretty stupid, um, but it's not absolutely, you know, it's not something that uh, is, you know, something that doesn't happen to 90-year-old kids in Australia is all I'm saying. Smithy, you know, like this is a young kid being stupid in Australia. It's basically being caught with cigarettes 30 years ago is basically what's happened to Reese Walsh now, you know, uh, probably just a a little bit worse for you uh, and you can go to jail. You can absolutely go to jail, Um, but it is that common in Australia to have that sort of thing, Smithy. Uh, so he'll learn. He'll go to what alcohol and drug counselling and it's a bad look for the Warriors, but it, it's not, hey, let's turf him out of the club or anything. It's just a silly mistake for me and the biggest mistake for him, Smithy, might be tonight at the Dally M Awards. Mm. OK, let's uh, talk about those Dally M Awards tonight. Um, is it a, a lay-down Mazir Trevojevic? Does he win it? Yeah, regular season, there was no one better. And this is MVP for your team, really. Um, And he was clearly the most valuable member of his side. When he didn't play, Manly were easy beats. When he played, he scored and set up so many tries. So even though he didn't really fire two duds out of three in the finals for him, Smithy, uh, Tom Trebojevic, you know, didn't turn up when they really needed him. 
uh, but it doesn't count against them in the regular season, and that's where the Dally M is awarded. So I don't really see anyone else coming too close. Uh, is he the best player in the competition? I don't know. But is he the most valuable to his team? Absolutely. And that's where you get the reward from the Dally M. Uh, if you're the best in your team, you get three points every week. If you have a team with lots of good players, then lots of players in your team can get those points every week. And I think that's where you go to Nathan Cleary and the Panthers. There's some other Panthers who pick up the points from him. So he wasn't able to get three every week. And Melbourne is just full of players who step up every week. So for me, Tommy Turbo absolutely deserves the Dally M. Was he the best player in the competition? I don't know. Bennett, Cleary, Bellamy. Uh, they're the big ones up for the coach of the year. They're the obvious choices. Uh, how, how do you see this one going? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I'll probably defer to you here, Smithy, because I'm a bit clouded uh, with Desi. I just love Desi. Love his lid. Love what he does for Manly. Uh, they were absolutely rubbish at the start of the season. Finished fourth. I love Desi Hasler, but um, he probably won't win it and probably doesn't deserve it. So I'll have to chuck it over to you, Smithy. Well, in terms of romance, uh, you know, Wayne Bennett bringing the, the Rabbitohs through is a heck of a story. So he's a candidate, a genuine candidate. Um, Cleary, his team sort of, you know, throughout the year have, have been almost, you know, almost there, but sort of just chasing, just sniff, snapping at the hill, heels of the Melbourne Storm the whole way through. Um, it, it's just my way of thinking on that. Uh, so probably for me, Bellamy got them to that point, um, you know, at that point where they were so warm a favourite, so hot favourites in everyone's thinking, out of performance. They didn't because of team makeup. They did it without uh, Cameron Smith. Um, you know, they've lost a lot of uh, key personnel in the last two to three years, but through it all, he's maintained a high standard uh, of performance, and they always tend to be very, very uh, close to the mark uh, in terms of, you know, as you say, it's the first, what, all New South Wales final for so long. Reason why? Melbourne Storm. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. So uh, in terms of getting a, setting a standard, a standard that people had to chase, and up until that performance the other night, uh, where they just could not get into that uh, playoff match, uh, I would have given it to Craig Bellamy, and I probably still would. Yeah. Uh, there's the other, the other one. Have you ever heard much about Billy Slater as a coach? And all of a sudden, he's the Maroons coach for next year. No, I haven't heard much about Billy. I've heard a little bit of analysis from him on, on the tally about the game. Um, but so, uh, coaching state of origin is it actually about coaching? Um, do you have to have a history of it, or do you have to be have a history of being a very fine player? Uh, for your particular uh, state of origin team um, and is that enough it seems I think that means more than actually being a technical good coach Smithy once you get to that level there were whispers that he was going to take over this year because Paul Green uh, was coming into the job after Wayne Bennett and just didn't have the gravitas uh, to coach yeah. the Maroons the name Paul Green it's like well mate what have you done in this jersey you know that when you get players at that level at that elite level you don't need to teach them anything you just need to band them together and mould them and get them playing for, uh, and, well, tactically, sure, and come up with game plans for the opposition, sure. But it really, it's it's motivating the team to come together and perform off a, what, a nine-day build-up together in three games. It's not like you're playing 25 games and then a final series. Uh, there's no real squad management in, in terms of that. So I think Billy Slater probably should have done the job this year, and he'll have plenty of good mates. Jonathan Thurston's been around that team. For a while, uh, Wayne Bennett doesn't have a job next year, Smithy. He'll hold his hand, won't he, uh, Billy Slater? So I think uh, it'll be a good introduction for Billy if he is able to get someone like Wayne Bennett on with him uh, for next year. And yeah, uh, Queensland may not have the players, but they certainly have the players and the coaching staff.
So we'll just finish this, John, with your prediction. Panthers or rabbits this far? It's a week out or five or six nights out. Panthers or rabbits? Oh, it's a tough one. It really is. Um, I won't sit on the rabbit-proof fence. I will go with the Panthers. You've got to lose one to win one. Uh, they've got a lot of young players. Uh, written off last week, a massive confidence boost, beating the Storm. Uh, yeah, Nathan Cleary in great form for me. Panthers, Smithy, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm agree. I agree. They went through a flat patch. Uh, they had a, a lull. Uh, and when everyone thought that they've, um, they've played their final, they've done their dash. But uh, whether they played their final at the weekend, we do not know. Remember, it was the final everyone wanted. Um, and all of a sudden, um, mentally, physically, maybe they've, um, may, they might pay a price for that because the, the Rabbitohs tended to look as if they were doing it a lot more comfortably in their thing. I don't know, to be perfectly honest. I might, I might sit on that rabbit-proof, uh, rabbit-proof fence and just say, uh, I might just say the Panthers just, only just. Uh, we're going to get, apparently we're going to get uh, Joseph Parker at 11.40. He wasn't able to talk to us uh, earlier, so good news is that Joe Parker will be coming in to us at 11.40. Uh, and we'll have IndyCar results next uh, and a bit of ro- motor racing news as well. 11.18. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Oh my god, man, what, what a race, um, what a year, um, what a season, and this team is amazing, I, I don't know what to say, it's just, I'm super proud of being part of Team Ganassi Racing, all our partners, Segi this year, that uh, was the first time that we're in Motorsports, American Legion, NTT, PNC Bank, so, um, yeah, super happy, can thank enough everybody that made this possible, Chip Ganassi especially, but um, yeah, my family, everybody, management team, amazing. That's the voice of 24-year-old uh, Spaniard Alex Palau, who has just won uh, the IndyCar title this morning, the overall title. Uh, wonderful news there, and better news uh, too uh, from New Zealand's point of view, not so much for Scott Dixon, who uh, had to uh, just fall down the track a wee bit to Alex Palau on this season, but Scott McLaughlin, in his very first year, the rookie um, New Zealander, has been named Rookie of the Year, so for... Uh, Scott McLaughlin, that's an absolutely fantastic achievement uh, and certainly uh, maybe above his expectations. Uh, And also in Formula One, news coming through over the weekend that uh, Lewis Hamilton winning his 100th, his 100th Formula One race. Just say that to yourself. That's incredible. When you think of the danger and the speeds and what have you uh, that is involved, uh, Lewis Hamilton winning the Russian Grand Prix uh, uh, was Dashed by heavy rain, the, the best chances of it were dashed by heavy rain. Lando Norris, uh, his, uh, his hopes of vit- maiden victory uh, were taken away from him. Did help uh, Max Verstappen to vault from seventh to second in his Red Bull car, but um, really it was all about uh, Lewis Hamilton. Now, Lewis Hamilton's an interesting character because uh, he hasn't always endeared himself to the public over the years. He's been slightly controversial. I think that sometimes goes with the flow. Uh, of just the sport that they're involved with, that you know everything's done at such a high level, and the adrenaline level it must be so high for these motor racing drivers that um, you know sometimes they say things and do things that perhaps um, you, you you would perhaps not want them to do, but they they, they are absolutely uh, performing at the highest level the whole time. So the question mark uh, comes up again. The question of all time is Lewis Hamilton the greatest ever. The greatest ever. Uh, he's gone past Michael Schumacher quite some time ago. 
uh, Schumacher pr- uh, finishing, of course, because uh, of a skiing accident. Uh, 91 victories for Schumacher, uh, and now 100 for Lewis Hamilton. Does he deserve that turn? Does he deserve to be the greatest of all time, the GOAT of Formula One, John? Yeah, this is quite a similar argument to the tennis, isn't it? I guess you've got a guy with all the stats next to his name, a bit like Djokovic. Uh, but like Djokovic, Lewis Hamilton's not universally liked, is he? Uh, whereas you've got Michael Schumacher, who I kind of put next to Federer, of a guy who was just absolutely loved by everyone. Uh, they just loved their pure style. I think Michael Schumacher was just an amazing driver, and same with Roger Federer, just a joy to watch. Um and then how much comes down to the car, I guess, is the difference with tennis. Uh, it's mostly down to the man. But with a Formula One, it's very much, if you're in the slowest car, it doesn't matter how good you are at driving, um, you're probably not going to be the greatest because you're not going to win races. So for me, Schumacher, uh, I think Smithy is the greatest just from watching documentaries and things like that. He, he just seems to be recognised as the greatest. And Lewis Hamilton's had a bloody good car at Mercedes for a long, long time. Uh, but still, you know, got to give him credit. A hundred Grand Prix races is right up there, and he's done extremely well. So, yeah, got to give credit where credit's due, but I wouldn't be calling him the GOAT of Formula One quite yet. Okay, fair enough. Uh, text coming in on the rugby and rugby league. If the box could learn to attack and keep their awesome defence, they might be a great team, says uh, Brian. Um, interesting and Ken says look Smithy thought David Harvey looked very average against the box the sooner Roger Tuovasa-Shek gets up to speed he would be sensational in the 12 jersey and Caleb Clark are back in the 11 jersey I think there's uh, going to be a lot of rugby played before that eventuates Ken uh, Benji hasn't got a team for next year should the Warriors pick him up instead of Ash Taylor is that a possibility uh, Kia ora Smithy uh, my heart says South for Benji, but my pocket says Panthers. Uh, that's from Grant in Melbourne. Great to, to hear you listening in, even with the different time slot uh, over there, Grant. So, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, look, oh, oh, I don't know. Would, would, would they, I mean, Sean Johnson's one, but Benji Marshall, would you? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think one, uh, one ageing Kiwi is more than enough. Uh, I think Benji, if he wins the grand final, you retire, don't you, Smithy, if you're Benji Marshall? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, if that's your, if that's your ultimate goal in life and, and you are getting to that point, I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago we thought he was done and dusted anyway. Uh, so to come back to this level and to, to get this last chance um, at, at the title, I would imagine that there's not much more you need to achieve in the game. I suppose there's still the financial aspect of it. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I would be thinking that would be a, the perfect time to walk away. Uh, and I, I don't know what his future in the game would be. Would Benji Marshall be interested in, in coaching rugby league at some point? Uh, would he be uh, interested in doing something else in that regard? He's a, he's a fairly high-profile guy, a lot of respect around for Benji Marshall. But um, uh, there, whatever happens, there'll be a lot of cameras on him uh, this Sunday afternoon when the NRL grand final is on for various reasons, John. Yeah, absolutely. He's damn good in the media too. Um, so I'd say probably he'd end up on a panel somewhere, a bit like Cooper Cronk or something like that. I think he'd be a, a great voice and a great face for one of the TV uh, stations over there. And we've just had a text in, Smithy, about tonight's Dally M Awards. No way Reese Walsh will win any awards now. And that's from Kerry. And I think he's probably hit the nail on the head, unfortunately. Yeah, it doesn't marry well, does it? 
winning awards on the you know one or two days after you found in possession of that stuff. Pretty stupid. Pretty dumb. I, I think there's a lot more brighter people out there than Reese Walsh and John, and we're going to put them to the test right here and now uh, with the opportunity to stump Smithy. 0800-150-811. Be the first winner of the week here and pick up 50 bucks with the TAB vouchers. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. It's a new week and a new opportunity for Elliot, who has been stumped several times in his career. But he has won once, I think. Elliot from Auckland, you're back for some more punishment. Yeah, ready to improve the stats. (laughs) Well, Smithy, didn't Ken Rutherford have a terrible start to his career and he ended up with a fairly good average? Uh, Elliot, whatever Elliot has achieved uh, wouldn't be as bad. It could not be as bad as Ken Rutherford's start to his career. So there you go, Elliot. Uh, I wish you all the best. My friend. <laughs> All right, Elliot, your sports today are boxing, basketball, and football. Football meaning soccer. What are you going to go for? Oh, take a punt with basketball. Go with basketball. Nice, nice. All right, let's go. Basketball questions today. This option's been sitting on the table for a lot of our listeners, and they haven't taken it, but you have. So let's go. Dr. J is regarded as one of the most influential basketballers of all time and perhaps the greatest slam dunker. What was Dr. J's actual name? Um, Julius Irving. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. One of the great nicknames, Smithy, Dr. J with the dunk. Yep. Never forget Dr. J. I'm old enough to remember him, so there you go. Yeah, that was, I had that one under control, Elliot, so well done. Ooh, look out, Elliot, so get it wrong. Smithy's ready for you. Question number two. Bill Russell has the record for the most NBA championships won by a player. How many NBA championships did Bill Russell win with the Boston Celtics? Um, eight? He's got it. He's out court. No, eight is not correct and a chance for the stumping Smithy. Well, I think uh, Bill Russell won nine. He won nine NBA championships. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Still alive, Elliot. He won 11, Bill Russell, with the Boston Celtics. They were as dominant as the Dragons were in the 60s. Absolutely incredible, 11 titles with the Celtics. So, for the 50 bucks from the TAB, Elliot, are you ready? Yeah, I'm always ready. Always ready. (laughs) May not always be correct, but you're always ready. All right. Which coach has won the most NBA titles? Uh, Steve Kerr. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. No, Steve Kerr's relatively young in his coaching uh, days with the Golden State Warriors. Smithy, which coach has won the most NBA titles? I'm really, really tempted um, to go with Phil Jackson here. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of the other prolific ones around that have you know, been around during those golden eras when they had great runs. Um, but I'd have to be thinking that uh, whoever is involved with, with the Celtics during that run of Phil Russell's would be very close. But I'm going to go Phil Jackson. I'm going Phil Jackson. There he goes! All the way! Up into the stand! What a hit in the first tier! That's hitting a cricket ball! 
Elliot, 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 uh, Elliot. Out. How many losses is that in, in, on Stump by Smithy now? I think it could be four. Four. You're, you're one in four. Unlucky, mate. <laughs> Try again next oh, time I'm because dusty. Phil Jackson is right. 11 titles, six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers. Uh, unlucky. <laughs> unlucky indeed. You want to give him a send-off, Smithy? No, I'm not going to give him a send-off because uh, I don't have to. I'm always one of those wicket keepers that never gave batsmen send-offs because they might, they might get you out the back of the pavilion and fill your head. And so I was pretty quiet when it came to that situation. I, I don't think for one second that Elliot's that kind of a bloke. But however, um, it does. John, do I get those vouchers or what happens now? We, 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 no, you've, we just, um, huh? you've stumped him we on the last question, up. so we jackpot it. Yep, 100 bucks okay. on the line tomorrow. Okay, good luck, Elliot, getting back through. Uh, we have a number of callers. I see Jamie from, from Nelson there uh, and all the other regulars as well. So 100 bucks up to for grabs uh, tomorrow. Fantastic. 11.30. Uh, that will be 11.30 tomorrow. So 11.37 here at the moment today, uh, and that means Joseph Parker after the break. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's a new heavyweight boxing champion in the world. His name is uh, Oleksandr Yusik. Uh, the Ukrainian put on a clinic against Anthony Joshua yesterday to claim the WBO, IBF, WBC and WA belts. Now, one bloke who uh, knows what it's like uh, to be a world champion is Joseph Parker. And Joseph, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, out of quarantine at the moment, I understand. Oh, hey. Well, so, hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, um, just... Uh I'm here. I mean, it was a what, a what a fight in the weekend. Oh my gosh! What did you make of that performance? I feel like he. Um, I, mean, I know a lot of people gave Joshua, um, you know, the favorite to win the fight, but I think with his performance, Usyk. I mean, he came in with different angles, his movement, good uh, footwork, and I mean, it was just a, it was a it was a great performance on him. So you look at it. He's a southpaw. Um, I mean. Joshua would have known all that. They, know, they would have known tactically what, what they were in for, but Usyk's uh, left uh, worked extremely well, and it didn't appear that Joshua had to, too much to counter it. Yeah, I mean, going into every fight, I know Joshua probably would have prepared the best he can, board inspiring partners, Southpaw, to try and, um, you know, or similar styles that can, you know, fight the same as Usyk. But I feel with Usyk's... Um, I mean, he just came in with an like unorthodox, unorthodox sort of style. Just, and the movement, I just, he had no answers for it. So it was like, like a clinical performance. It was great. It was great to watch. And this has come pretty quickly, Joseph, when you consider it. I mean, a unified cruiserweight champion to be heavyweight champion after just three fights. That is a heck of a step up. Oh, listen, he's, uh, I mean, coming from the cruiserweight division, being a unified champion, and then coming to the heavyweight division, giving it a go. Only three fights into the division, you're heavyweight champion of the world. That is, um, you know, is outstanding, to be honest. So you've gone 12 rounds with Joshua in the past. What, what do you think he, he could have done better? Uh, just, I, I feel like he, had, he didn't really have a lot of answers. Um, I mean, he could have, you know, cut, cut the ring off better, or, he, I mean, he could have stepped to the side and counter him. But I guess... Um, I know. I feel like even as being champion of the world, he's still got a lot to work on, and I'm sure if they have the rematch, that he'll come in, you know, a lot better, a lot more prepared for us. What you see, brings. So, what are, what do you reckon this result uh, does for the heavyweight division all of a sudden? 
Sorry, what was that? I, I just thought this result, uh, what does it do for yep. you know the way people look at the heavyweight division now, Joseph? Oh, listen, it opens it right up for me and it makes it a lot more exciting. I mean, listen, we had the big fight lined up with, with Fury and, and, you know, Joshua, but now that's all, you know what I mean? Fury's fighting Wilder soon and Usyk being champ, you know, it's going to open up the vision a lot more. Okay, let's look at uh, what's coming up for Joseph Parker uh, and it's uh, Derek Chisora in Manchester in December. So uh, how are preparations, Joseph, going for that one? Preparation has been good. Uh, you know, I've been training twice a day, keeping in good shape. Um, I'm really excited for the rematch. I mean, um, it's my first rematch in my career, so looking forward to, you know, hopefully coming out and putting on a better performance than I did last time. So what have you got to do to make it better, Joseph? Um, you know, uh, what were you frustrated with that you, you couldn't deliver last time around, even though you got up? Uh, I, I mean, I was too. I think I was too cautious. I didn't really... Um, take too many risks so I think with this fight just about letting my hands go a lot more and taking more risks you know going in and, and trading a bit more and, instead of you know, being pushed back or the whole time so Andy Lee's uh, your trainer of course these days uh, how much time are you uh, are you spending with him how much communication have you got with him at this point in your build-up a lot of communication in the camp when the camp uh, sort of starts and kicks off then that's when I have more time but you know, the communication is good at the moment, so being you know, in different countries. So what, what is, what's your daily routine at this point? What, what are you actually doing in terms of your preparation on a, on a daily basis? Uh, I, get to, I get to sleep in now. Nowadays I get to sleep in, wake up, and um, I'll do a boxing session in the morning, TRX in the afternoon, and I'll run in the evening, or I just change it up each day. But um, I'm trying to fit in two sessions a day which is keeping me fit, keeping me in good shape, and I, so I can eat a lot more. Because I love food. What is this about? You know, <laughs> but you burn it. You burn it. That's the good news. Yeah, I think a lot it. of people love food. and Yeah, you burn it, man. Uh, look, uh, Chisora, last time, um, he knocked you down early on in the fight. What lessons did you take from that? What do you have to be wary of this time around? I have to be um, a lot more focused, you know, going into the fight from the first round. To the last round, like every minute or every second of every minute. I mean, um, we practiced that the whole camp, having the right shoulder while protecting the face. But you know, I, I let one of those punches come through, which knocked me down. So I just have to be more focused and a lot more prepared in the beginning stages of the fight. So, in terms of your preparation, have you got a, a date when you think you might head to the northern hemisphere and you know head to the UK? <clears throat> Yeah, I'm looking at leaving in about a week and a half's time. I'll probably fly, uh, the plan is to fly to Vegas and, and, you know, watch the Fury Wilder fight just to be a part of that atmosphere and, and event. Um, get a buzz from that and then fly over to the UK in, you know, two weeks' time and start camp, start a nine to ten week camp. Okay, Joseph, uh, thanks for your, your breakdown on that. We've appreciated your time this morning. Um, and, hey, go well in your preparation. Always exciting when you've got a fight coming up on the, on the calendar. So, we look forward to it, mate. All the best. Thank you so much. Yeah, Joseph Parker there, folks. Uh, yes, and he's fighting at Derek Chisora. Uh, finished in relatively controversial circumstances. A lot of people saying that Chisora had won, and a lot of people saying that Joseph Parker deserved to win. We get that a lot in boxing. There was no doubt about um, what happened at the weekend. I don't think anyone was quite surprised uh, to see that uh, Joshua didn't get the verdict. He got um, dealt to uh, in no uncertain terms there, so... Um, yeah, that was uh, quite surprising, and uh, what is now on the agenda, 
I mean, boxing needs it. It needs a healthy heavyweight situation, and it needs um, unpredictable results. So I think overall, it was a good result in the end for for heavyweight boxing, uh, and that I think it opens opens up an avenue uh, for Joseph Parker to go forward again. Still a very young man, eleven forty nine here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Not too far away when we chat with uh, Mark Stafford uh, coming in to take over at 12 o'clock. Uh, two or three texts uh, just to finish off. Uh, Smithy, long-time Palace supporter, main stand at Selhurst Park, named after our family. Brighton, too organised for Palace, struggling since Roy left, unfortunately. So Brighton by two, that's from Stephen. Uh, and also coming in, not just Izzy we're losing, talking of uh, Israel Adesanya. It's a whole team of world-class athletes. Millions would have seen Dan Hooker with the Kiwi flag over him at the weekend. Millions viewed Shane Young's Pukana or Haka uh, next to, to Dana White. It's embarrassing with the amount of funding and support elitist sports like Emirates Team New Zealand get. They have 100,000 followers on Instagram. Dan Hooker by himself has 300,000. It's not fair on city kickboxing, and there's a theme coming through about that too. And I think it's a fair theme. It's more just the comments from Israel Adesanya that polarise people. But that's that's the way it has been. Speaking of comments, uh, no comment on the women's cricket. This uh, Smithy says, Mike, uh, will there be changes for the home summer? Well, yes, uh, there should be. But no, there won't be. They got belted. Uh, not the way. Not the way at all to end that tour on the right kind of note going forward. However, they did play at times a better brand of cricket and they might have got something um, out of those performances. But England last night piling on an impressive 347 for five on the back of uh, Tammy Bonart scoring her uh, 102, her ninth uh, one-day international century. Now that's a record. That is a record. Uh, And they lost by 203 runs. They were only uh, able to manage 144 all out lost the series 4-1, so at least there's a one in there. Uh, but there won't be uh, too many changes at all, Mike, because there's not that many players to come in, apart from, uh, of course, uh, you know, one or two players who have been out, Amelia Kerr, for instance. Uh, hopefully she's right mentally to get back uh, into the swing of things and get back into playing international cricket because sorely uh, missed, I would imagine. Overall, uh, not a success in terms of the result sheet, that tour. Uh, maybe in terms of some experience and gaining a little bit of confidence for some players, hopefully. I'll put a hopefully there. Uh, definitely, though, is Mark Stafford at 12 o'clock uh, as we look forward to uh, reviewing, I guess, with you, Staff, uh, some of what happened in the weekend and looking forward to what's coming up. But impressions over the weekend. Um, Manawatu, happy? Fantastic, Smithy. Just fantastic. I, I love the NPC. Actually, this weekend, I, I thought Taranaki were fantastic as well. Um, some nice upsets in there. And don't forget the Cyclone Smith. He put 85 points on in 80 minutes um, charging towards the Premiership for the Cyclone. So as a Manawatu boy, the Cyclones and the Manawatu men's team, very happy. Very. All Blacks? Not happy. Uh, <laughs> um, forgettable game actually. We're going to have Shane Howarth on uh, former All Black fullback and Welsh fullback of course. Partly to look at that and partly to look at Geordie and areas of concern for him. He's a wonderful analyst of the game, watches it very passionately. 
So, yeah, it, it was a forgettable game. I think the tactics were apart. I think the skill set of the All Blacks were apart. I listened to your chat with Foxy. You could hear the disappointment in his voice as well that the execution wasn't there. Um, looking for big improvements this week. But, gosh, it was hard to – it was more a matter of uh, what don't we talk about today because there's just so much selection, Smithy. Mm, there was, actually. So, on that subject, uh, who else have you got apart from Howie? Uh, apart from Howie, uh, Penrith icon, Greg Alexander, will come onto the show, mm. look at the weekend that's been and the weekend that's coming up as well. I'm also going to ask him about the unfortunate story that's come out about Reese Walsh and how it's just a continual grind with bad news off the field for for such an entertaining and exciting game that people love, but they just get let down away from the weekends, which is a disappointment. Uh, Spencer Kite is a feature writer for UFC.com. So I talked to him about the card yesterday and about the impression Dan Hooker makes in the world of UFC. And, of course, you've just touched on the news that Israel Adesanya is uh, heading offshore to go and live uh, because it's just too tough and it's just... I'm outraged by it, really, that they're forced to do that. They're just not looked at on an equal playing field um, by Sport New Zealand, by everybody. So talking to him, and we're working on at the moment, I can't promise it, but we're in touch with a golf rider for ESPN who's at the Ryder Cup but might be too tied up in the after-match festivities to um, be able to talk to us, but but we'll try. That's Really busy show, Staffy. A really busy show. So uh, I look forward to that this afternoon. Highlight of the morning for me has been uh, that performance by America to win the Riders Cup. Uh, Ryder Cup was over the course of three days, of course, but they dominated from the very first shot, really. Uh, they got themselves into a front foot situation, and they were quite outstanding. Low point um, of the news today has been Reese Walsh. So uh, as Staffy pointed out, he discussed that. He will discuss that with that. Uh, Greg Alexander uh, coming up in his show this afternoon. Uh, been a busy morning, a bit disrupted morning. I can tell you in NRL news that uh, Tom Brady's side, uh, the Buccaneers are under severe pressure. It's nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they're down 31-17 and uh, the LA Rams are on hot attack. So it might be the first loss of the season for the GOAT. For the GOAT, speaking of GOATs, Trudy, thank you. Fantastic this morning as always. Uh, Brian, Duke, sterling work there, sir, sir and uh, JD. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport.